Hi everyone, hi Spud, hi Lincoln. Thank you for coming to this 12th episode of a very special co-working. So 12th episode, since it's a monthly podcast, it means it's been a year, but I know, thank you, thank you. Uh, but it's been more than a year, actually, because, uh, you know, the beginning are always a bit rock and roll, a bit roller coaster. So I started, I remember I started in March and I had no idea what I was doing. I was basically coming on LinkedIn being, oh, I'm going to go on live. Huh? I need a tool? What? And figure things out as I was doing and then I did it once I did it twice and I was like okay I'm gonna make this a thing and I had to find guests and it was more of a struggle than I thought so so yeah it's been it's been 12 episodes now thank you so much Spud for being here with me on this uh, fated day and yeah thanks for having me <laughs> so Spud was introduced to me by a previous guest, Taylor, who uh, went first, her first co-working experience. So the first time she saw co-working in Bones and Flesh, if we can say, uh, was at one of Spuds. So Spuds has many spaces. We're going to talk about them uh, more or have had, I would say. And now he's also managing a community no, on-site or online, uh, I'm still not sure, but a community about community. I love this. Spud, uh, can you talk a bit more about the kind of community you've been uh, managing? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. Um, this is the stuff that I love to dream about, talk about on a regular basis. So it feels good to be in good company with others that love this topic. We're between um, friends. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, well, Taylor uh, connected us, which I appreciate. Um, but my journey into the community space uh, largely started, especially during my undergrad, grad studies. Um, when I was in school, I was living around community and realizing mm -hmm. the real value and richness that comes out of those type of spaces. Um, and so after, you know, diving into the real world, and then I kind of came back to State College, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm based now, and that's where a lot of my co-working and community space work has happened, um, I realized that there was this total lack of community spaces, right? We were mm. a very siloed town. Um, so State College, Pennsylvania is a university town. So we're kind of uh, mm -hmm. right in the middle of rural farmland, right? So we're in the middle of central Pennsylvania. There's nothing really around us other than farm fields and uh, some rolling hills. Uh, but then no, you've got this really that's very foreign amazing. for me because uh, coming from Belgium, a very high density country, uh, in 30 minutes, I change country. And uh, if you're living very, very far, like in the south of uh, Belgian yeah. Ardennes, so with Ardennes, it's a big forest that's come across Belgium, Germany, and France. Uh, if you live in the middle of there, you need to drive, take your car, not a bus, the car, drive at least 20 minutes to go to a supermarket. And that's the farthest you live from a town. Mm. And that's far for me. So driving 30 right. minutes is something. So an hour, two hours, three hours <laughs> is like, it's two different countries then, right. maybe not, but almost. <laughs> Yeah, where, so where I live, uh, I'm three hours from all the big cities mm -hmm. on the East Coast in the U.S. So New York, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, Philly, D.C., those are all within a three-hour drive. But in between me and that um, is lots of just really rural country, um, which I really love. That's where I kind of find my like recharge spaces, like going out into the woods and with my dog on hikes. Um, but one of the challenges, I think, as a community builder was I came to this town 
and we were fairly siloed, right? So people sort of just stayed in their lane. They didn't really interact or collaborate with many folks. Um, this was back in like 2010. And so a couple friends of mine and I, we were working on some startup companies and we realized we wanted to be around other people that were thinking creatively and outside the box. And so we started our own co-working space unintentionally, uh, mostly because we just wanted our own space to creatively work from. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of snowballed and people started joining us. Um, and this tiny, tiny little space was, it was probably no bigger than my living room here that I'm in now, um, very quickly kind of grew and grew. And so that was my was first. Also, uh, because uh, you were so you were saying you were uh, a student at the university, and then I heard some people, you know, they start working on some project while at the university, and then they graduate, and the university kind of kicks them out. So they have to find a space to work from, and they're like, ah, we're gonna make our own space, and they're in. Yes, I, that was very much the experience for me. So I moved back to my town where I did mm -hmm. my undergrad mm -hmm. at. Um, and all of the resources that I knew to be available to me as a student yes. were no longer available to me. Mm. And and as a student, and I think this happens in a lot of university communities, there's this real town-gown divide where the community members don't interact with the students as much and vice versa. Yes. Uh, and I was a big believer that there needs to be more synergies between those two groups, right? There's so mm -hmm. much expertise in the community that if we could tap into, students would benefit from and vice versa. So um, and much. so that was where we kind of started. So we created um, the very first space that we started was uh, called New Leaf Initiative. Uh, and it was the idea was people could come and turn over a new leaf, right? So if you've got an idea, yes. you wanted to try a new norm, a new behavior, right? This is a space where you could kind of dabble and explore with that. Um, and we didn't start off as a co-working space originally. It started more as like an innovation hub. Um, but then co-working just became one of the kind of core central uh, tenets of what we did. And so I ran that for a couple of years. Um, and then during that time, um, also realized that people um, connect in lots of different types of community spaces. Mm -hmm. So where we work is one way, um, mm -hmm. but where we live is another really critical space. And so uh, a partner, a business partner of mine, a good friend from childhood, we went and bought a giant home and it houses 21 people that live together year round now that are interested in kind of creative co-living. And so I've been running that space. That's called the co-space for about 10 years now. And so that's been uh, another kind of like node in our kind of co-working ecosystem yes. in State College. Uh, and then a few years after that, I um, realized, okay, people work together, they live together, but they also need to play together. So what does that creative co-working space look like for play? Uh, and so then I started a arts and innovation center, um, which became kind of the third neutral space that people could go to in between their work and live spaces. Uh, and so we yes. do all kinds of kind of creative events. And so that one's called Three Dots. So, so over the years, I've started many long, ones. Yeah, yeah, that's three different spaces. How long did it take to start each one or to start working on each one? And were you still working on New Leaf while you were working on Three Dots or did you do one at a time? they all kind of build on top of each other. Um, mm. And I think that's the nature of these spaces is that they tend to generate new ideas and new business models mm. and new partnerships out of them. And so it rare, very rarely one chapter closes and the next one starts. Uh, usually yes. there's some type of kind of Overlapped. blurry middle between them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. from messy middle to uh, probably for about a decade was when I ran those three spaces um, in different capacities. So yes. sometimes I was the executive director, other times I was sitting on the board, 
Sometimes I was a contractor to it. Sometimes I was an investor in it. So I've played different um, roles and responsibilities within those spaces over the, the last decade or so. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. And so you were saying that took a decade, meaning that now you're doing something different. Yeah, so um, so some of the spaces I've passed off, um, I've realized, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurs in this space really need to know what their their strength is. Mm -hmm. My strength is I'm really good at getting a idea up from nothing to something, um, yes. building the systems that are going to ensure that that thing can be sustained, and then finding the leadership that can help run that in kind of the long term. And so I did that with New Leaf originally. Yes. So I probably ran New Leaf for about uh four-ish years or so um then i joined the board for a little bit um, but i passed that organization off to a friend to run uh mm -hmm. with co-space i still run that one myself um so that one we just hit our 10-year uh, milestone uh, in march ooh. which was exciting yeah Congrats. so that was a, yeah. a fun fun um yeah milestone to hit and then mm -hmm. with three dots so i started that one up as one of the co-founders was on uh, the team as the innovation director for a couple of years, guided us through the pandemic. Uh, and then once we kind of came out of the pandemic, I passed that off to new leadership to be able to run that one forward. So at the moment, I just run CoSpace of those three, but then I run a, a separate consulting company called My Creative Community, where we help other groups create these type of spaces in their own towns and their yeah. own organizations. And so that's where I spend most of my energy at this point. Right now. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering, leaving those spaces to somebody else and then leaving them bit by bit, was it... How was it? It's like a bit your, not your baby, but, uh, you know, something very dear to you and you have to let it go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just talking to a, a couple of young entrepreneurs about this. We sometimes use that language of, right, it's like our child that we've started, yes. which I I think has an unhealthy attachment um, to the things that we are creating. Maybe. Because it's very easy for your identity to get wrapped up in the thing yes. that you're creating. Um, and so then it's therefore hard to pass on. Um, mm -hmm. I've been fortunate that all of the spaces that I've started um, were either with friends going into it or the person that I ended up starting it with became a very close friend through that process. Mm. And so I'm a big believer that you've got to have lots of trust and empathy and understanding with the folks that you're working with. Um, and so we, we prioritize lots of like time going on hikes together and kayaking and like those really like spontaneous informal moments to just like yes. make sure our relationship is strong so that we can then create the spaces for those relationships to form for others, because that's mm -hmm. what these spaces are all about. So having a core critical team is really, really critical to that. Yeah, I guess when you work in community building, maybe on site or not, uh, building a community is your core job. And so it is with your employees or coworkers or things like that. So. But it's still different, right? Maybe your coworker or people part of the community. Uh, it's two different types of people, right? Yeah, to some degree. I think sometimes mm. you end up identifying your leadership through the people that you're serving. Um, I, mm. I found that to be the case in almost mm. every group that I've run. Um, each of the business models of the spaces that I start yes. uh, have slightly different leadership um, roles and responsibilities in terms of like how we find staff. Uh, but yeah, they often come from like a member. So somebody who was co-working with yeah. us or someone who would regularly come out to our innovation, you know, happy hour type of discussions. Yeah. And then we would just slowly get them more and more involved. And so one of the tools that I use a lot in community building work at large is something called a community commitment curve. 
And the idea mm. is the very first moment that someone interacts with your space or your organization or your community, mm-hmm. you need to give them a very, very low commitment offer to get involved, right? Like you can't ask them to get involved in a really big way. It has to be really, really, really tiny. Lower, lower expectations. Yeah. Lower. But then as time goes on, you just slowly increase yes. the level of commitment that someone can in, get involved in. And mm-hmm. eventually at the end of that curve, right, you've got a high level of commitment, which is like, hey, join our leadership team, right? Be a part of our board, be a part of our staff in some capacity. And so that's yes. often like the end of that commitment curve is like involving people as like a formal part of our team. Wow, that's so interesting. So it's all linked in, in, in the end. It's all kinds of people are part of the community, more or less commitment, and the most commitment are people basically staff. Right. Yeah. And sometimes the, the tricky thing, uh, so like I run this space called the Coast Space, which you've got people that yes. live there. And sometimes when you have people that are really involved in your community, they get really passionate and opinionated about how they want to change things and affect different dynamics and systems. I can't say that. So there is this like balancing act of being able to ensure that like you want to have people that really Mm -hmm. care. But at the same time, sometimes people are like too heavily invested and you actually need Mm -hmm. an outside perspective to kind of like okay, let's look at things from a slightly different perspective because you're really biased. Take a step back because you're too in it. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that. We have uh, two house managers that are with this 21-person home. And so we always have one person that comes from within the community and one person that comes from outside. And we think that that balancing of perspectives is really critical to how the leadership team is able to navigate different Mm -hmm. challenges that arise. So That's so interesting because you might think, yeah, we're between us. We're in our community. We can manage, but... Yeah, yeah, at some point, it's just it's just difficult. It's like I'm a marketer and doing my own marketing is difficult. We say, you know, mechanics have the worst cars, the shoemaker uh, mm. doesn't have shoe or, or those kind of things. And uh, it's true. Well, so, I mean, let's go down that route a little bit more. <laughs> so, like, as a community builder, uh, yes. I, so I was just on a podcast and one of the questions was, um, when have you felt most alone? And what's ironic is that sometimes as a community builder, you are so invested in creating these spaces where really rich connections and authenticity mm-hmm. can happen yes. that when you then step away from that, it's you sometimes feel a little bit of alone, aloneness, right? And like, I think that has stirred up in my life many times as I run lots of retreats and gatherings for yes. the types of communities I work. And like, I love those weekends and those gatherings. And then I come back home and realize like, okay, I have to like reimagine what relationships look like because I live in a smaller yes. town where those friendships mm-hmm. don't, they don't all happen to live there, right? So that's, that's one of the super challenges. super interesting because I have organized event too. And uh, as an introvert, I love having those few days all together or mm. the time. And then I enjoy cutting off and going back to Norman and being like, yeah. ah, I'm finally alone because I can <laughs> finally rest. Like it was... A, dynamic type of rest you would say so it was great but it's good that it's short time because as an introvert i cannot stay with people that much so i need to cut off at some point and be on my own Mm. introverts Mm. unite i'm an introverted (laughs) community builder which i think is many people don't expect because they see me at the center of a crowd Mm. like organizing facilitating um and as an introvert I like being in that spot because I can kind of dictate how the relationships are forming around me, right? Mm -hmm. So like, that's how I've stepped into the facilitator role. Um, But yeah, I need my recharge time heavily as a community builder, so. 
yeah, you need that alone time. Even though it might be lonely after some time singing, uh uh-huh, it was nice to be with the guys and so on. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think you have to figure out like creating those type of creative community spaces, what nurtures you, what fills you yes. up, right? And so yeah. you mentioned you just did, you know, a year of these um these episodes. So my wife and I, a couple of years ago, we realized we're like, well, we've got this house where it's mostly just her and I at the time. Um, And we committed to doing monthly potluck brainstorms, which really like aligned with both of our energies Mm -hmm. and personalities. So um, we would invite anyone from the town into our house once a month, right? So we committed to do this for 12 um, episodes, basically. And so once a month, anyone could come in, they'd bring a dish. Uh And my wife loves cooking and food and hosting people with food. And so that was sort of like her part of the experience. And then I would come in and I really love like brainstorming with sticky notes and helping get people in a really creative, generative space. And so we would do that facilitated activity after the meal. And that's actually where Three Dots, the arts and innovation space that I ran, Mm -hmm. that emerged out of this literal living room right here. It's like we were all sitting down brainstorming around that table. Exactly. That table. Yeah. So, right. I think those really like organic spaces, that's oftentimes Uh where these Uh type of co-working spaces emerge from. Um, Uh And so you need to, as a community builder, it's like I knew as an introvert. I want to invite people into my space, into my home, because I can control the dynamic a little bit. Mm. That's what was good for me. I committed to do it for 12 months, mm-hmm. once a month. Um, and I think that's a really important way to like get these spaces off the ground sometimes. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And um, ah, yeah, I was de- I was hesitating about asking, but what, one last thing. So we just watched with yeah. my mom. Uh, I don't know if you know about the disc, but uh, you could, mm-hmm. in short, um, divide people into four different colors, the blue, the red, the yellow, and the green. And you already see that the blue are more conscious Mm. and uh, more reserved. The green are reserved too, but more people-oriented, while the red are more uh, extroverted, but toward results, really commanding. And the yellow Mm. are more about the fun, having fun with others, and maybe sometimes not caring so much about the results and just enjoying the moment. The monkey mind. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, well, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I think you're you're constantly as a community builder trying to break folks into different camps and groups because you're trying to get everybody to an engaged um, level, right? I always think my goal as a community builder is to invite the participation of the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. The more that they can participate, the mm-hmm. more I'm going to be able to tap into their collective wisdom, their shared experience. And that's where really rich conversations and kind of moments yes. happen. And mm-hmm. people participate in different ways, right? So as a community builder, I'm like trying to think of like, okay, what does this group over here need from me to be able Mm. to participate fully? Um, And so I think being able to understand people and uh, personality dynamics dynamics is really, really critical. It is. And it is for the participant, it is for the organizer, because as I was saying, as a host, even if you're a bit introvert, you can set up system and set it up in a way that works for you. So... uh, works for you, works for them. So it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm a big believer though, that regardless of what your personality type is, Mm. sometimes like I often ask this question to folks is like, if you think about when did you have a conversation that radically changed your life, right? Think of a conversation that was really powerful. Mm. It opened your perspective to a new way of doing things. Like think about where that conversation took place, the where of it, not the what. Mm -hmm. 
And if you think about the where, it's often in these really spontaneous spaces. Like I was at a campfire with one or two other friends. I yeah. was in the backseat of a taxi. I was going on a hike with someone. Like powerful moments and conversations for folks often happen in really intimate spaces. And so regardless of what your personality type is, I always try to start from that point. It's like, if I can get people to connect one-on-one or in small groups of three, where they can really authentically dive deep in organic spaces, not in like classroom spaces or conference center spaces, but like the organic spaces, that's where powerful moments happen. And then Mm -hmm. the extroverts can kind of build on that as they'd like. And the introverts can go a little bit deeper if they want. But that's my starting point is like, I know that everybody unanimously shares that experience that it's like, I've had powerful moments in intimate spaces that are really momentum, you know? Mm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you just have to ask yourself, how do I recreate that scenario for as many people as possible um, and then build spaces around that? So so true. And I guess it's all those experience with those different spaces that made you want to do what you're doing right now, basically helping other managers doing about the same thing as what you do, I guess. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. I realized I couldn't um, literally clone myself fast enough to be in lots of different communities, right? So um, so I've really committed over the last couple of years to mm-hmm. have as many tools available to folks. So both free tools and paid tools and books and field guides that people can use to be able to apply a lot of these principles and techniques to the communities that they're a part of. So yeah, it's been it's brought me a lot of joy. It's uh, the work that I really care about. How long have you been doing that one of managing community manager, basically, or forming them, I guess you could say? Yeah, so I've been doing um, community consulting work since 2010, so for almost 15 years now. Um, So it's always been a part of my journey as I've been starting co-working spaces, right? So um, the co-working Like you were saying, it's not a clear end and start is a messy middle. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what actually like put food on the table for me as I was creating many of these spaces, because in the early days, right, none of my projects have had like big seed investment or grant funding in the early days. Um, As time has gone on, right, we bring those things into the table. But um, in the early days, you're trying to figure out how do I fund this with the few people that I know that I think are interested. And so having consulting as a side, um, basically career path has been really helpful Mm -hmm. for me to be able to like sustain the work that I do. Um, And then over the over time, that consulting practice has just grown and grown and grown, and now has become largely my full time job. And you focus on it. What made you want to stop creating? Because you could have kept on creating more spaces and still do your consulting job, uh, like half-half or whatever the percentage was. That, uh... Yeah. So one of, uh, and nonprofit leaders often talk about this, is like, we want to create an organization that eventually the, the town no longer needs us, right? We've solved the problem and the nonprofit <laughs> no longer needs to exist, right? That, that's often a refrain, which I think, sometimes has merit and sometimes is a little bit silly. Um, However, in the business of cultivating ecosystems, right? So innovation ecosystems, um, that was the end game. So when I was like starting this is like, I want my town, State College, Pennsylvania, to be a space where there's this really dynamic ecosystem of multi-generational expertise and creativity coming together in different collaborative ways, right? I want that ecosystem to exist. And once it does, I don't need to be the key driver of it, right? And so that was really critical for me. And so over the years, um, we've seen that ecosystem kind of blossom around State College. So the university has got involved. There's now this like amazing space called the Innovation Hub, 
We have multiple maker spaces that friends of mine are now running. So like you've got this really rich tapestry and ecosystem that people can tap into. Um, and so we actually made the decision. Um, so New Leaf um, ran for over 10 years. And then during the pandemic, as we started seeing like, we actually have the town that we want, the yes. role that we're playing is no longer needed. And so we're able to actually shut the doors to New Leaf to allow these other spaces to thrive rather than having a competition of resources. So New Leaf made the decision to kind of shut down to allow these other spaces to grow, which I think was absolutely the right strategic play. But it was also hard for a lot of people, right? Because it's yeah. like, this is a space that we care so much about and it's hard to see it die. And it's like, don't, don't see it as dying, right? Nature has seasons, time. right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. It had its cycle and it's like, it's now time to enter the winter phase and whatever might emerge on the other end is totally fair. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. And you might think about the other spaces that grow after like the, not the children, but uh, the, the seed or the new plants coming from that one plant. So it's exactly. one plant became a garden and it's not about which plant is there. It's about having that world garden and uh, keep it there. Yeah. And things, they, they spiral out very, very quickly. And so you see that, but I think that actually sometimes the, um, the impediment for like growth and change in a community is the group that has been doing the cool thing no longer like passes the baton to the next person running around the track, right? Like you've got to like let go of the baton. It's like, all right, I've run my part of the relay race. Let somebody else now take it to the next step. And they're going to do all kinds of creative things that you can't imagine. So yeah, yeah, that's the role that I play with a lot of these spaces now is like mm -hmm. helping to provide some insight and perspective of like, when is it time to turn this one off, start a new one up, invest in another young emerging leader to create their space type of thing. I'm just wondering now with your My Creative community, do you have a community of community manager or do you work with each one separately uh, on the side? Yeah, each one is kind of separate. Um, I have mm. a team of facilitators and coaches that I work with that I yes. sometimes um, kind of intersperse into different clients that I get to work with. Mm -hmm. But the clients really range. Um, so it's everything from big government organizations to small little environmental centers um, mm -hmm. to like regional networks of build, you know, community builders and ecosystem builders. So it's really, really different depending on who I'm working with at any given time. Um, but that's kind of the joy that I get out of it is I get to like step into a team, understand their culture, their dynamic, and then pop into a totally different one. And each one has different dynamics to work with. Yeah, super interesting. Um, that's what you're doing right now, which is what you're saying. You started it while uh, managing all the spaces, but you had mm -hmm. like two very different jobs, the spaces now, the consulting and Later, do you plan on doing something completely different again, or how do you see yourself? Yeah, I'm sure there will be more spaces in the future um, that I will Ooh. play a role in helping to run, because mm -hmm. um, I, I enjoy that a lot. Um, and I, yeah. I know that I'll be here in State College for the next many years, but there will probably be a season of my life where I move back abroad or somewhere else, and I'll mm -hmm. you know help invest in that community. Uh, but at the, the moment, the thing that really is bringing me a lot of joy. So yes. um, I run a online course for community builders. And so that's a, a really great space for me to be able to support leaders that have like an idea or something that they're working on in their town or company and help mm -hmm. them get the tools and frameworks to be able to take it to the next step. Um, yeah. So that's been a really Be fun space that I get to work with. Because until now, it was really on site, was really your local community, what's happening around you. But with mm -hmm. this online uh, communities and your uh, 
not touching, but you're uh, gathering another kind of crowd, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been a really great one. And it happens in very different settings. So like I'll be in uh, France in a couple weeks working Ooh. with a bunch of young student leaders that are yeah. trying to learn community building tools. And so we'll guide them through the online course and then they'll actually get to do some field trips and site visits to see it in practice uh, around the country from a different cultural perspective. So uh, yes, yeah, so I get to apply it in very different ways, um, yeah. which has been really fun for me to build a community around some of the tools because uh, I've got some books and other you know free resources on my website, uh, but to actually have like this online course community that I can support um, is where as a community builder, I get a lot yes. of energy from. Yeah, I see more and more online communities and online community tools. Like just today, I subscribed to what was a circle, and I mm. knew ghosts from another another thing. But uh, I'm looking at and Mighty Network and Facebook group are still there, so I got to uh, test all kind of different tools that are coming in. It's uh, super interesting. Yeah, I, there's a lot. And so it can yes. very quickly be overwhelming for folks. Um, again, I always design any like virtual gathering or event is like people mm. want to connect one on one. Like that's where the real value is. There's yes. lots of different spaces that I'm a believer that like you can find your Facebook groups or your mighty networks like to learn resources and connect with other like minded people. But at the end of the day, if you can get folks to that point where it's like I'm having a one on one conversation with someone that like gets me, they see me and they're able to provide yeah. real value like that's where the magic is. And so if you can get to that point as a community builder, yes. right, that's the community commitment curve, get them to that point, then they're deeply invested in the work that you're doing and the, the community that you're curating. Yeah, it's a bit, uh, make that magic happen. Hmm. Hmm. Totally, yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're coming at the end of our, uh, of our talk. Is there anything uh, else you'd like to add? Mm, I mean, this has been great. I feel like we could talk for a couple more hours oh, yeah. probably about this. Space. I have five different topics we could talk about, but like, mm, <laughs> we won't have the time. <laughs> so, well, we'll do we'll do future ones down the road. But um, yeah, I um, so on my website, one of the things that I find folks are always really curious about and don't mm -hmm. know exists. Um, when I was starting off in the community building space, I was looking for what resources, what free programs, what cool events should I go to? There wasn't like the master database of all of that. And so over the years, I've been curating that and I've got a couple hundred yes. uh, opportunities. So if you just go to mycreative.community and click on the opportunities button, uh, you'll see hundreds of different toolkits and facilitator techniques and organizations that I think people should check out around this space. So if that's a useful uh, free resource for people, feel free to scan through. You can waste mm -hmm. a lot of time uh, learning about all kinds of different networks and tools and frameworks uh, on that opportunities page. And make sure to add it in the comments so that people can click on it and just Absolutely. Yeah, happy to. Uh, it was helpful to me curating it. So I'm happy to offer it out to others that are in this space. So, yeah, I find that we often learn a lot by teaching others. So uh, it's incredible opportunities for us as well. Mm, totally. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that was my. Um, I forget when this was a couple years ago. I made it a goal every morning before I got out of bed. I had to find one cool community building tool organization online that I didn't know of previously. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like built out my database. So I had like, you know, by the end of the year, 350 plus different uh, cool groups. So that was just like my morning ritual. It was like, yes. rather than meditating, it was just sitting in bed, scrolling online, trying to find <laughs> these spaces. So it was great. I should probably when, do it again. Scrolling <laughs> can be constructive, you know? Exactly. That's yeah, I'm a big believer. It's like, there's value in there. It's mm -hmm, like, just mm -hmm. be 
intentional about it. So I probably could be more intentional now in my life uh, about that. I've probably fallen more into just mindless scrolling versus intentional scrolling. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's a cycle of life. It always turns. That's true. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm just in my winter, my fallow season. So So if we were want to know more about your current uh, online course or consulting, where can they get more information and where can they contact you? Yeah, so I'm on pretty much all of the platforms online. So if you just Google Spud uh, Marshall, I'm one of the only Spuds out there. So it's pretty easy to find. It's pretty Uh, rare. Mm -hmm. There are not many yet. My fun fact for your audience, my sonogram looked like a baby potato before I was born. So that's how I got the nickname and I've had it ever since. So just Google Spud, you'll find me, or you can go to my website, mycreative.community and all Mm -hmm. of my contact info and social media links are all on there that you can kind of find me at. Roger that. Well, Spud, baby potato. It was a pleasure to talk with you about about community and about engaging them and all the kind of tools we can use. Uh, it's been it's been great. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, best of luck to all of your listeners on whatever projects and initiatives they're working on. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye. Awesome. Take care.